Keep God's word on your lips Meditate on it day and night Be careful to do what it says Then you will truly be successful Keep God's word on your lips Meditate on it day and night Be careful to do what it says Then you will truly be successful Good morning everybody It's day 59 of our 90 day challenge The topic is The day I forgot Jesus All right, everybody, we are in the gospel according to Luke, Luke, the second chapter, the 41st verse. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He said. <laughs> Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And that ends the reading for today. <laughs> if I was 12 years old and I gave my mama what Jesus gave Mary, I would have not seen my 13th birthday party. <laughs> the topic for today is the day I forgot Jesus. I'm sure most of us know this by now, but I own a publishing company. I started my business in 2008 while studying at Duke University. My company writes, formats, designs, covers, and prints books. That's what I do for a living, and that's what I enjoy doing. After my second year in business, clientele grew to the point that I could not run the business alone, so I hired an assistant who was in charge of shipping books. The job description was simple. When clients order online, customize the envelope, design a label, insert a brochure, invoice, and business card, and ship the book. Well, two weeks into the job, we received a phone call from an angry client. Turns out she received her package, but wanted to complain to me about what she received. I got on the phone and tried to calm her down, but she demanded a refund. When I asked why, she said, I see the label. I see the envelope. I see the brochure and the business cards, but there is no book in this package. Where is the book? 
I was embarrassed and ashamed. I had a meeting with my shipping manager and could not for the life of me figure out how the error occurred. I asked him, at what point in the shipping process did you forget the main ingredient to our company? After all, the only reason we exist as a publishing company is because of the books we ship and the authors for whom we write. Without books, we don't make sense. Without the book getting to the customers, everything else is ornamental and unnecessary. As I began to reprimand my employee, the Lord began to reprimand me. He said, Sean, what is happening to your company is happening in my church. I see the new labels and I see the new marketing plans. I see the fog lights and the screens you've added to make your church more relevant. I see the high tech websites and the fancy seating arrangements. But where is the book? Where is the word of God? The church doesn't make sense if the book is not preached. People will never change if you give them ornamental extras without the main ingredient of the word of God. The church exists because of the book. The rebuke was sharp and to the point, but it inspired me to write so many books after that moment. When I searched the scriptures that day, the Lord revealed Psalm 119, 105 to me in a way that I will never forget. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word is a lamp. The word is a light. So if the word is a lamp that helps us to see and a light that guides our path, then every day we wake up without turning on the light, we voluntarily walk out into the world in the dark. Every day we decide not to read the Bible. We are feeling our way around a dark and dismal world. In short, we are guessing. And the Christian who isn't praying or reading God's word is just guessing. And you cannot afford to go another day just guessing. You know what that's like, don't you? How many times have you fallen down the stairs or stubbed your toe all because you were walking around the house without turning on the light? It's so difficult to live in the dark. It's always a deception. It leaves you open to casualties and trip ups. Perhaps this is why many of us are saved but still struggling, free but still chained, Christian but still catering to our carnal ways. No judgment, just truth. Could it be that a simple discipline to read the word when you wake up will open your eyes to the warning signs, the blessings, and the divine detours God has set up in your life? You'd be surprised to know the statistics of Christians who do not read the Bible. According to Christianity Today, 80% of churchgoers do not read the Bible daily. Instead, we leave it to a sermon on Sunday to guide our entire week. And then if things do not make sense, we blame it on a God to whom we rarely speak. But what if God is saying to you what my grandfather used to say to me? Everything you need is in the word of God. What if you are missing pivotal signs about life, relationships, and a host of other transformative principles all because you, I, we have not made Bible reading a part of our daily ritual. Our text today reveals that every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem to celebrate the festival of the Passover. At the time of this writing, Jesus was 12 years old, and the Passover was the thing everyone looked forward to going to. If you were raised in a Pentecostal or Baptist church, for example, this was like going to a yearly convention or a convocation. 
And if your family went to family reunions as a kid, this was the week everyone took off work to be with one another. We got matching t-shirts and we were reuniting. Everybody who was anybody gathered once a year to remember what God had done in the Old Testament and to give thanks for allowing the plague to pass over God's chosen people. This was high celebration. You're talking about music, festivals, food, corn on the cob, funnel cakes, strong Pepsi with crushed ice. Okay, you get it. It was a grand time of partying and it was at this festival that Mary and Joseph forgot Jesus. Somehow they were so captivated by the crowd that they misplaced Christ. Somehow they were so focused on the celebration that they forgot about the very thing that made the celebration worth celebrating, Jesus Christ. To add insult to injury, Mary and Joseph went three whole days before they realized Jesus was nowhere in sight. Scripture says, after three days, they found him in the temple, which was obviously the last place they thought to look, and he was there reading the Torah and answering questions, unbothered. There are too many nuggets to point out here. But when I compare the word God spoke to me about my company and I look at this text, I must admit that many of us have forgotten Jesus. I must admit that many of us cannot judge Mary or Joseph too harshly because we have often been Mary and Joseph. We have been guilty of majoring on a minor. We have been guilty of forgetting the main reason God called us in the first place. Their story teaches us that it is so easy to get caught up in the hype and forget Jesus. Mary, of all people, the mother of Jesus, lost Jesus. So what makes you think you can't lose him too? After the first day, I can imagine Mary wasn't panicking because surely Jesus must be with Auntie Elizabeth hanging out with cousin John the Baptist. But can you imagine how dumbfounded and panicked Mary must have become when she realized that where she thought she left him was not where he was? Have you ever lost your child in the mall? Have you ever been so panicked, so afraid and so nervous when you realize that you took your eye off someone that you loved for a split second and now they are gone, perhaps kidnapped or even worse, missing forever? Imagine how embarrassed Mary must have been. She walks into the temple and realizes Jesus was at church all along. Why, my friends, did Mary not go to the temple first? Might there even be a hidden revelation in that? Namely, the parents of Jesus didn't go to the temple because that was the last place they thought he'd be. Wow. Ouch. Lord, help us. Can we trouble the waters just a bit more at the realization that when Jesus went shopping for his disciples, he picked 12 men and none of them were in the temple. None of them were religious representatives. None of them were Pharisees, Sadducees, priests, or gatekeepers. Jesus picked people who most of us would have passed over. Yet when Mary and Joseph find him, Jesus is in the place where most should have gone to receive him. But the religious leaders of his day made idols out of their intellect. They were more in love with the law than the Lord. They allowed all of the wrong things to get in the way of the right things. So Jesus had to turn the world upside down by picking people who were committed, but not churchy. He picked people who were obedient and not so opinionated. Friends, before we judge Mary, before we talk about Joseph, 
Ask God to show us when and where we've been them. Ask God to show us when and where we've been Joseph. Repent for turning worship into an unrecognizable thing we've made it. And let's come back to the heart of what God intended. Your worship work today is make sure Jesus is the center of your joy. Woe is the church that has invited Jesus as the guest preacher. Woe is the worship leader who sings about everyone else, but forgets about Jesus. Today, spend some time thinking about how you have been Mary or Joseph and make a vow not to forget Jesus. Coming back to the heart of worship When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus i
I don't care if they remember me. Only Jesus.